Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Significant worldly wealth brings about great spiritual danger. If you have significant worldly wealth, it can do a few things for you. It can give you just enough to trust in that you might not, at least for a time in your life, think that you need God. It can give you just enough options that you don't allocate enough time to pursue that relationship with the Lord and in the course of time you drift from Him. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. When it comes to money, we all have one thing in common, and that is we want to be smart with it. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers very clear principles on how we can wisely manage money and be good stewards of the resources we have been given. We will find that some of those principles will align with commonly held beliefs in the world, and some of the teachings of the Bible will be different from the world's beliefs about money. In this sermon series, we'll be examining all of the ways we can biblically be smart with our money. Please enjoy the message. Now getting into today's series, or second part of our series, um, as we are are discussing uh, this idea of smart money and and being wise with our finances, I was drawn today to a uh, a store, I was drawn to a story that I'm going to share with you today. In 1867, a young Swedish inventor was was working with a a chemical that's known as uh, nitroglycerin. Now, you may not be very familiar with nitroglycerin, but uh, it, suffice it to say it's incredibly volatile. It's actually so combustible and so difficult to control that nobody, it was virtually useless in the 19th century. Until, again, this Swedish inventor got a hold of it, and then he took some soil with some fossilized algae, and he was able to create a compound that was just right to be able to make nitroglycerin stable. And that inventor was a man by the name of Alfred Nobel, and what it was that he created was something that we know of as dynamite. And dynamite's one of the more significant and important inventions that we've really had in our world over the last few hundred years. And it was dynamite that would be used in many negative ways through war and the taking of life, but it was also used in a lot of positive ways, which, positive ways, which is why it was invented. And we know that even here locally, that in the early 1900s, Levers was established as a town as the DuPont Dynamite Factory was placed there just down the road from us here as a church. And it was there that dynamite was being created and tested and then ultimately utilized for many of the roads that we have today available to us. As that dynamite was blasted out rock, that then was able to have roads pushed through it. So anything that was in the way of progress and growth was removed so that so many of the things that we have available to us today that we could benefit from. And in a somewhat similar similar way, the teaching of Jesus have the same effect on us and had the same effect on people in the first century. That there is an explosion that happens in your life whenever you meet Christ. And often with religious movements of our day, outside of Christianity, there's a tendency to focus on subtraction. There's a tendency to focus on addition. What do you need to subtract from your life? What do you need to add to your life? But Jesus isn't about an addition or subtraction. He's about an explosion. It's an explosion again of all the bad things out of our lives, an explosion of 
Again, of making a way for progress and growth to pursue him, to follow him. And as we do, there's an overflow of our hearts of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control that comes out of us. But we got to allow that explosion to happen. And it happens in small ways. It happens in really big ways. Maybe one of the medium-sized ways, you might say, is what we're going to get at today in Mark chapter 10. And it's a passage of Scripture in which Jesus essentially blows up the beliefs, the commonly held beliefs of this day in the first century of morality and of about financial prosperity. And I would even say to a certain extent, he blows up what we believe today as well. And so I'm going to read to you in, in Mark chapter 10, and it's a story that's known as, it's headed with the rich in the kingdom of God. But the person that we're dealing with here is the rich young man. And as we look at this passage of scripture, I'm going to read it all the way through for you. And then we're going to go back and, and really zero in on a few hard sayings that Jesus has here. We're going to first deal briefly with the morality piece and then deal with the financial prosperity that this young man has been able to benefit from in this day and what Jesus has to say about that to him? Hey, and what it has to say about it to us, too. So we'll begin reading in verse 17, and this is what it says, starting there. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher. Real emphasis on that good. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit, commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. I have been very good in my youth, in my childhood. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And so this response is one of, of compassion. One thing you lack then, go, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus again said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We've left everything to follow you. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mother, children, fields, along with persecution, all, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the, and the last shall be first. Wow. In that passage, again, Jesus blows up. He completely eviscerates what we and what much of the world believes about, again, how we should handle our finances and the way that we should approach our finances and even how we should approach morality and good deeds in the life that we ought to live. First, I want to deal with that morality piece. Just go back to verse 8, 17 and 18. Jesus said, good teacher. Or the man said to him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. 
What Jesus teaches here is that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the only one that is truly good is God, and that is it. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. But maybe you've heard something like this. And maybe you believe something like this. Maybe you don't even believe in Jesus. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you aren't even really sure about if there's a God at all. What Jesus, his teaching, what, what is being taught here in this particular passage at this moment is Jesus is saying something in contrast to what we hear in our world today. And that is this, is that you can believe what you want to believe and, and you can believe what you want to believe, whether it's Hinduism or Mormonism or Christianity or Islam or whatever it may be. You can, it doesn't matter what you believe. Just be a good person. And if you can be a good person, that's all that matters. Like just like the t-shirt says, be a good person, right? But Jesus again says, no, no, that's, that's, that's not possible. No, no one is good. And notice as I'm even saying that, that often we would say, somebody might respond with, so you're saying like a good Mormon or a good Buddhist. Like anybody's ever been described as a bad Buddhist. <laughs> Nobody's ever, if, if you were to ever have the gospel explained to them, somebody, somebody might again respond and they would say, so you're telling me a good Buddhist is, is going to be lost? And the, the response is like, well, first of all, I'm not saying it. Jesus has said it, but the reality is like, yes, none of us are good. No one can be saved by our own deeds. And we've talked about that in the past. That whatever the standard of good actually is, nobody really knows because it's relative to the group and to the person and to the time. And the reality is, is that we've again all fallen short of God. We're not compared to one another. And so Jesus tells this man, no one is good. And then he goes on, and here's the other hard statement that we're going to really dig into. He said, it's easier for a camel, verse 25, to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The lesson that he teaches here at the beginning is this, is that significant worldly wealth, significant worldly wealth brings about great spiritual danger. If you have significant world, worldly wealth, it can do a few things for you. It can give you just enough to trust in that you might not, at least for a time in your life, think that you need God. 
It can give you just enough options that you don't allocate enough time to pursue that relationship with the Lord, and in the course of time, you drift from him. And so again, Jesus, I'm going to read it to you one more time. It is easier, Jesus said, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there's been a few different ways that people have tried to describe this and have maybe explained this statement away. And if you've been around church circles long enough, you might have even heard some of these explanations. But Jesus didn't really mean what he said there. And so some have described the eye of a needle by meaning a wall, an entryway into a wall there where there's an opening. And, and you try to go through that if you're on a camel and it's difficult to do but it's not impossible. Or they would say, well, what Jesus was really referring to here was not a camel, but a rope. Because in the Greek, these words are very similar. The, the camel in Greek is camelon, and the rope is camelon, and the difference is that E and the I, and so perhaps there was a scribal error, or perhaps the disciples just misunderstood Jesus when he was speaking and they didn't hear him appropriately. But all of those explanations are silly because they're just really trying to get out from the weight of the responsibility of the teaching that Jesus has here, that if you're wealthy, it is very, very, very difficult to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that is a bit of an explosion in his day and in ours. Because in this particular day, if you were wealthy, then you would please God. You clearly had done something really significant and right in your life to have that kind of favor and blessing on you. And there's a notion of karma that, that that's true in our day today. If you just do just enough good and just enough right, then it'll come back to you one way or another. There's an uh, old movie, and many of you have seen this movie, uh, called The Sound of Music. And there, there's a moment in that, in that particular movie in which Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews meet one another. And when anything happens that's good, anything happens to Julie Andrews in that movie, she just does what she does and she sings. And she, she sings a song. And they both actually sing this song and it's really, it was probably one of the worst songs they sing in the movie. But at any rate, they sing a song and in the song they say this phrase. Somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. As they're, as they're celebrating meeting and, and they're about to be married, I must have done something really good to get this, to have this kind of moment. In the Bible, there, there's another story that's similar to this from a reverse standpoint. It's the story of Job. And Job was very wealthy. He was very prosperous. A lot of good things were happening to him. And then he loses everything. He loses his health, his wealth, his family, so his friends come to him. Zophar, Bildad, um, Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz, they come to him and they tell him, well, clearly, clearly, Job, you've done something wrong. They reversed the song. They sung to him, somewhere in your youth or in your life, you must have done something bad to have this to happen to you. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Job, we actually did a series on it earlier this year. You can go back and listen to those messages, but but this is the essence of it, is that Job hadn't done anything wrong. That actually that, all of that bad happened to him because God was, was proud of him. God was bragging on him. God said, haven't you considered as he talked to Satan, my servant Job? God loved Job. And the point is, is that Job had all these bad things happen to him, not because he had done something bad, but it was actually because of how good he was. 
And, and so what we see there, what I'm getting at here is that in Christianity, there's nuances to it. All the other religions of the world, they'll give you pat answers. They're going to say, well, if you were good, then good things happen. If you're bad, bad things happen. Maybe there's a little bit of discrepancy, but that's the essence of it all. And what Jesus is saying here is like there's so much more to it. In fact, maybe it's not all about whether it's you have good things happen to you or bad things happen to you. Maybe there's so much more to this life than that. And there's more going on than we can even see, which is what was happening with Job. It was actually there was evil in the world. There was these spiritual forces at work that he couldn't see that were against him that caused all the problems, that caused all the challenges. And, and so we come back to our text again, and Jesus says it's really hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. There's a 17th century Puritan named Richard Baxter who wrote about this. I'm sure you're very familiar with Richard Baxter, but if you're not, I'll, I'll catch a couple of you up on that. Richard Baxter, he's a 17th century Puritan. He wrote a book called The Christian Directory, and in it he talks about how to handle temptation and how to, how to uh, maybe be, walk with the Lord as you're new to the faith. And he spends an entire chapter in the 17th century with dealing with wealth and the effects that that can actually have on people and how it can kind of lead people away from the Lord. I mean, I don't know exactly what they would have been tempted to do in the 17th century, but he writes this, he writes this. Ordinarily, riches are far more dangerous to the soul than poverty and a far greater hindrance to the apprehensions of eternal life. Christ gave us so many warnings about riches and describes the folly and danger and misery that comes from them. Humility and self-denial are always necessary for the salvation of the soul. But in this case, it's much more difficult. And so as we come back to the rich young man, Jesus recognizes this. And he's, what is the man expecting from Jesus? He's expecting a theological answer. But instead, Jesus gives him a very practical answer that deals with the theology that this man is struggling with. 
And he gets to the heart of the fact that his wealth was getting in the way of him really experiencing the Lord. His, the wealth was getting in the way of him experiencing the eternal life that he so desperately desired. And how would Jesus know to say that? Because he's a wonderful counselor. And I know you come through, I know you come through the doors in here and, and at times, and I completely understand it, there's this temptation to just go through the motions. You go through the motions of maybe listening to half the announcements and maybe listening or paying attention to half of the songs that are sung and maybe listening to <laughs> hopefully half. Hopefully you get half of what I say. But there's this wonderful counselor that's coming up beside you. And if your mind can be open or your mind can be cleared and your heart is open, to what it is that he would have to say to you. He's probably speaking something into you that you need to hear. Because that's what he does. And he gets right to the heart of the matter. Which leads us into the second point here that we learn from the story, is that what truly satisfies the heart will never satisfy the world. If there's a certain value system, there's a certain uh, objective that the world has for us that we want to pursue, and then we got to understand that, the, that God, he has something different. And what the heart is longing for, often we try to fill with what the world provides us. And then you realize there's just something lacking, which is what this man experiences as he comes to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said. You, I know there's something that you lack. And he's saying, what do I have to do? What's this one thing that I got to add? Jesus says, all right, let's get to it. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure and heaven. And then you can come follow me. And so what's Jesus saying with this right here? Is he saying that we need to go into voluntary poverty? Maybe. I'll be, I mean, most guys would be quick to say, no, 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 that's not what he's saying. But maybe that is what he's saying to you. Maybe he is saying you got to get rid of it all because right now it's ruining your life. And the best thing that could happen to you is you lose it all. But that's not generally what he's saying to us. I mean, you just think about people in the Bible that Jesus interacted with. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a big money problem. He was always stealing, uh, taking some off the top as he was a tax collector. And so he's taking this money and then Jesus confronts him about it and they have, and they have this come to Jesus moment, quite literally. And in that particular moment, Zacchaeus says, I'm giving half of it all away and I'm paying everybody back. And Jesus affirms that. He didn't tell him to give it all away. He said, give away half. And then Nicodemus, who was also incredibly wealthy, Jesus doesn't even talk to Nicodemus about his wealth because his wealth wasn't the problem. But he talks to this man about it because his wealth had become an idol for him. It was controlling him. And the idol that was present in his life was, was his wealth. That's where he placed his trust. Actually, in older versions of the Bible, the King James Version, um, if, if you look at those, it'll say, you know, how hard it is uh, for those who, who trusteth in their wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. Coming back to Baxter, Baxter, that Puritan I shared with you a minute ago, he shares four signs that your wealth has become an idol for you. And this is 17th century, but it's relevant to us today. This is what he says, those four signs are. He said, if you find yourself often, often envying people who have more, then you've probably made wealth an idol for yourself. If you find yourself often worrying about money, then again, you've probably made 
your money an idol for yourself. Now, that's season, now we got to understand there are seasons where we know that maybe for three months, six months, or a year, it's going to be a little tight for us. But if you're constantly worrying about your money, it's probably become an idol for you. Jesus says tomorrow has enough worries of itself, worries of its own. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Focus on today because today has enough challenges all by itself. If you find yourself often drawn to or pushed away from people because of their economic status, you've probably made money an idol. And that goes both ways. It's the poor person who, or, or somebody in some, some level of poverty or, or, or lack who judges a wealthy person or some poor person with some affluence and they say, well, they obviously, I don't have anything to do with them because they've obviously taken something that wasn't theirs. They've, they've lied or they've stolen or they've cheated or they've just had it all given to them. They haven't earned that. And they judge them for that. They don't want anything to do with them. And then conversely, the wealthy person might say to the person who's poor, they would say, well, obviously that person is lazy and they're irresponsible. And we, we know that that's not the case. And that's, the, that's the beauty of Christianity is there's allowance for that. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.